Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by our special guest speaker. Just remain standing. I want you to turn to Ruth chapter 1. Verse 1, Ruth 1 and 1. Now it came about in the days when the judges governed that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. And the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Milan and Chilion. Euphrathites of Bethlehem in Judah. Now they entered the land of Moab and remained there. Somebody say remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died and she was left with her two sons and they took themselves Moabite women as wives. The name of the one was Orpah and the other Ruth. And they lived there about 10 years. Then both Milan and Chilion also died And the woman was bereft of her two children and her husband. Verse 6, she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the land of Moab. For she had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited his people back in Bethlehem and giving them food. So she departed from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters, go return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you find rest each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, no, but we'll surely return with you to your people. But Naomi said, return my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters, go, for I'm too old to have a husband. If I have a, if I said I have hope, if I should have even a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it's harder for me than for you. For the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her God's return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So they both went until they came to Bethlehem. And when they had come to Bethlehem, all the city was stirred because of them. And the the women said, is this Naomi? Naomi means pleasant. Is this Naomi? It means pleasant, my delight. She said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. 
Mara means bitter. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has witnessed against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. Father, I pray right now that you would speak to us. That we would have ears to hear and eyes to see what your spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, you may be seated. Now I want you to turn to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 12. It'll be on the screen, and so you can catch up. I'm going to go ahead and start reading. 2 Samuel 12, verse 1. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a great many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and his children, and it would eat of his bread and drink of his cup and lie in his bosom, and was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man. He's unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. Rather, he took the poor man's ewe lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. David's anger burned greatly against the man, said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. He must make restitution for the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and had no compassion. Nathan then said to David, You are the man. He had taken Uriah's wife, slept with her, got her pregnant, tried to cover it up, brought Uriah back from the front, tried to get him to go into his wife to cover up the pregnancy. He wouldn't do it because his soldiers were sleeping on the ground. So then he gets him drunk, tries to get him to go in that way. He won't do it. So then he sends him to the front with a note saying, put Uriah right in the center at the front of the hottest battle so he could be killed. So David could take his wife and marry her and know it would be the wiser. David said, you're the man. So skip on down. It's judgment that's come upon him. It says, uh, in ver- at the end of verse 14, it says, uh, However, because of this deed that you've given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born to you shall surely die. So Nathan went to his house. Then the Lord struck the child that Uriah's widow bore to David and so that he was very sick. David therefore inquired of God for the child. And David fasted and went and lay all night on the ground. And the elders of his household stood beside him in order to raise him up from the ground. But he was unwilling and would not eat food with them. And then it happened on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was still alive, we spoke to him and he did not listen to our voice. How then can we tell him that the child is dead since he might, since he might do himself harm? But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David perceived that the child was dead. So David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed, anointed himself, changed his clothes, 
and he came into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he came to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servant said to him, What is this thing that you have done? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me that the child may live, but now he has died. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I, I can go to him, but he will not return to me. David comforted his wife Bathsheba, went into her and lay with her, and she gave birth to a son, and he named him Solomon. Now the Lord loved him and sent word through Nathan the prophet, and he named him Jedidiah for the Lord's sake. So let's talk about this for a minute. David has sinned in the sight of God. He's done it deliberately. He's done it on purpose. He has no one to blame but himself. First, he, washes her, he watches her wash herself, taking a shower on the rooftop. He's lusted after her. Then he brings her up to him, abuses his power, then sleeps with her, commits adultery, then tries to cover it up with Uriah, and that doesn't work. It gets him drunk, which, by the way, that's in the Word. You're not supposed to get someone drunk. And then the sixth thing is he murders him. The consequence of this is that this child is going to die, and not only that, but violence is going to be in David's house all the days of his life is going to come from his own family. He said, you did this. It's in there. We skipped it. But he said, you did this in secret, but what's about to happen to you is going to be in public. So he begins to fast and pray and cry out to the Lord, lay on his face and ask God to save the child. But he won't eat anything. He won't listen to anybody. He won't get up. He's on the ground. But when the child dies... He gets up, he washes his face, he worships the Lord, and he sits down, he changes his clothes, and he sits down to eat. You got that? Say, I got it. Now, go back to Ruth, chapter 1. <clears throat> uh, when I first started, uh, when Rhea first started hearing me preach, the first time I was preaching a revival at her family's church and I, I remember I don't know if she remembers this but I remember her telling me she was thinking I, I got up and I did this to seem disparate scriptures and what in the world do these two things have to do with one another but uh it'll make sense in the end is that all right we'll we'll tie it we'll tie a bow on it at the end just look at your neighbor and say don't worry even if he doesn't do it it'll be over in about 30 minutes just tell him that So, there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about uh, along this way. Just quick little things I just want to point out that are just kind of side stories, not necessarily part of the main. First of all, Elimelech, they're in Bethlehem. Anybody know what Bethlehem means? House of bread. House of bread. Come on, girl. Mm. High five yourself. That's right. It means house of bread. I need more space than Pastor Tom does. 
Um, it means house of bread. Well, there's a famine, so there's no bread in the house of bread. So they decide to go to Moab, right? This foreign country that worships foreign gods because they've got food. And it says that Elimelech takes his family and he says, listen, we're just going to sojourn there. And the word means just stay a little while. They're just going to stay a little while, right? Yeah, be careful about staying just a little while. You usually don't stay a little while. You usually wind up getting trapped there. Elimelech never comes back from there. Listen, you got good ideas. Awesome. Do you know what it's worth? What your great ideas are worth? Zippo. You're not smart enough. You don't know what the future holds. You can't calculate all the things. Why is it that we make decisions and then ask God to bless them instead of getting instructions? Stop making decisions. Get instructions. That's real good. You should tweet that out. If you're like me, I, I take tweet notes. Stop making decisions. Get instructions. Because your decision might kill you. Good idea. Bad plan. Because God knows better than you. Elimelech goes with the intention of staying a minute. He winds up making his grave there. Not only that, you're not the only one at risk. His two sons die there too. So Naomi's like, I'm out of here. I hear that there's bread back in Bethlehem. Oh, yeah. So I'm going back. You girls hit the road. They say, hey, listen, we don't want to do that. She goes, listen, I'm too old. Somebody say too old. I'm too old. See, this is the, Naomi is bitter, right? She's not happy about this. She's not happy with the Lord. She's bitter. She's hurting. Why has this happened to me, right? I'm supposed to be God's delight and look at all that this has happened. My sons are dead. My husband is dead. I'm too old to take another husband. I'm too old to have a baby. I don't even have anything to offer you girls. So Orpah, she says, okay, see ya. I'm out. And she walks away from her. Now, listen. I heard a preacher say, I was watching this. Uh, I, I was watching this preacher on YouTube and he said, he said it like this. I'm just going to steal it outright. Is it okay? Anybody that can walk away from you, let them walk. Y'all didn't hear what I said. Anybody that can walk away from you, let them walk. Your destiny is not tied to the person who left. I want you right now to stop begging and pleading with someone to stay with you, love you, like you, agree with you. Why? Why? See, what happens is we have time invested, right? 
We got all this time invested, and I did all this, and I did all that, and we were this together, and I'm trying to salvage it, but they're walking away from you. Let them go, baby. You've got to, you've got to learn when the season has changed. Some people come into your life for reasons. Some come in for seasons and come, some come in for life. But not everybody's in that third category. Sometimes it was just a season. Let it be okay. Let it be over and move forward. I got a scripture for you. I got a scripture for you. You ready for this? Look at 1 John. I think they'll throw it up on the screen. Oh, it's good. 1 John 2, verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. Are y'all awake? I'd like to preach today. I need a little help. You're like, well, they what's wrong with me? Hey. They weren't of you. They weren't of you. If they were, they'd still be with you. But they left to show you they're not going with you where you're going. Right? That's okay. Now listen, I'm not talking about your marriage. When I was a pastor, sometimes there was a couple of years there, I had a section at the end of the sermon that said, things I didn't say. It's not what I'm talking about. Okay, we're not talking about the covenant of marriage. We're talking about, you know what we're talking about, right? If you know what I'm talking about, we just say amen, we'll move on. You gotta let them go. You gotta let them go. Because God's got something for you and they're not going with you. So stop begging them. Stop dragging them. You hear me? Hang up the phone. Stop texting them. Like a 13-year-old. Do you like me? Do you like me? Are you there? Are you getting this? Are you there? Can you respond? Stop. Let them go. Turn to your neighbor and say, let them go. Ruth says, Ruth on the other hand says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to go anywhere until one of us dies. I mean, whoa, right? It's intense. Don't tell me to go away anymore. That's what entreat me not to go away. That's what that means. Stop telling me to leave. I'm going with you, right? Amen? Listen, y'all got to wake up. I don't need affirmation, but I need participation. Now, if you said Starbucks and somebody just staring at you while you're talking and never make a sound, you'd think they were rude. Right? So turn to your neighbor and say, wake up. I will come out here and spit on you. When I preach, I'm not talking about hawk I'm talking about little Gallagher spray while I'm talking. 
I don't know why we think that when we serve the Lord that everything's going to come up roses. That's our problem. Why has this happened to me? I did all this and they left. I was just trying to provide for my family and now they're dead. You don't think God sees where you are? God knows what you're going through. God's not forgotten you. God's not left you. God's not done with you just because it's hard, just because it's sorrowful, just because it's excruciating. His eyes are on the righteous and he ponders all their goings. It means he's rolling over in his mind about you, what you're facing and what you're dealing with. What? Listen, God knows right where you are. But Naomi is so wiped out with what should have been or what could have been and what wasn't that when she comes back, they go, hey, is this God's delight? She goes, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Call me bitterness. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I've been there. I made that trip a couple of times. Like Gideon, angel said, Hail, valiant warrior, the Lord is with you. And he goes, well, if the Lord is with us. Why has all this happened to us? Right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so then you come to church and people are like, let's worship the Lord. And you're like, eh. I'm not so sure that I'm really feeling that right now. I think he needs to just be happy that I'm here. God's frustrated followers. His ticked off tabernacle. okay it's all right I get it now David on the other hand he did this to himself now Naomi it wasn't her fault right it happened to her but it wasn't because of her she's experiencing she's going through it at no fault of her own she's got to go where her husband goes she's got to do what her husband says it ain't like today Careful with them amens, man. Careful. You got to go home after this. You notice I'm not even looking at this section over here where the lady in, you know, blue sits. But we all know who the boss is in my household. I talk to her every day. I love that Jeff Foxworthy stand-up bit where he's like, men are with men, you know, and they're on the phone with their wife, honey, honey, it's okay, I'll be back, just give me an hour, I'll be back with it, okay, love you, love you, love you, sugar, and then hangs up, and the guys go, what did you tell her? I told her to kiss my tail. <laughs> right. But back then, she didn't have a choice. She had to do what the husband said, what I like to call the good old days. 
Let me go back here. I saw Rhea pull some fruit out of her purse. It's not her fault, but David, it is. David is completely guilty. David is totally 100. What? Come out. My watch goes, I didn't get that. They didn't either. (laughs) David is the one who's done this to himself. It's his own fault. Right? But here's the thing. What God's got for you, he prepares for you whether you deserve it or not. We love to sing about grace, but we really stop and think about how much we don't deserve it. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying Naomi's perfect. I I love what Spurgeon said. He said, when people say, why do bad things happen to good people? He said, the problem with that is that has never happened except one time and he volunteered. So you got to get that in your mind. There is no good people. You ain't good. I ain't. Your mama, your granny. We have all sinned. Come on, right? What I'm saying is Naomi is going through some stuff that she didn't necessarily bring on herself. But David is going through something that he absolutely brought on himself. But what is God's response to all of this? Where is God in the middle of your failure or in the middle of your attack? Where is God in the middle of your sin or in the middle of when people have sinned against you? Where is God in the difficulty, whether self-inflicted or from the outside? Where is he? What is his response? What should we do in these moments? Well, first of all, get yourself back to the house of bread. tell you something memes ain't gonna help you baby you better get your inspiration from something better than a meme there's more out there for you than I know the plans I have for you says the Lord there's more than those little magnets you put on your refrigerator and the things that you tweet and like and repost on Facebook, there is the word of God, the bread of life that we need to dive headlong into. You have gone other places looking for it to sustain you and nourish you and give you life. And I'm telling you, the only place that the real bread is, is right here, baby. We got to open up the book and eat the scroll again. If you come in here every week and you have Pastor Tom pinch your nose and give you a spoonful of medicine, a spoonful of grits, and then you walk out of here and you don't eat again till next Sunday. Come on. Preach. 
What kind of bread is it? Daily bread. What kind of bread? Y'all walking around going, a spoonful of sugar helps it. Shut up. Open up the Bible. I'm depressed. I, I don't know why. Because you watched 19 hours of TV and never cracked the book. Of course you're depressed. Because you are on TikTok for nine hours. You scroll past the guy saying, stop scrolling past me. Give us this day our daily Facebook. Let me ask you something. If that's all we eat, how will you feel? You're going to feel bad because they're going to vax you or anti-vax you. They're going to Republican you or Democrat you. They're going to they're going they're going to talk about they're going to talk about all your rights as an American or they're going to talk about how we are not supposed to Did you see how you felt when I just started talking about it? It's yuck. It's a bunch of it's a bunch of empty calories in the spirit. This come back to the house of bread. This is where the food is. It ain't out there in fe- in Moab. Say amen, I'll move on. Amen. Just turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. <laughs> and then I look right back at him and say, you too, honey. Let me get to it. David knows one thing to do. Oh, by the way, don't you love how he judges the guy who took the lamb and said, we're going, we're going, this guy going to pay back four times. And we're going to beat the mess out of him if we don't even kill him. Right? And Nathan goes, you are the, I like the King James, thou art the man. Right? Now, David wants mercy. Isn't that funny? How we're so quick to judge other folks. But we don't want what we were dishing out for our own self. Mm. That was free. It didn't cost you nothing. Just don't even. Then here it comes. David gets on his face, cries out to the Lord, fasts and prays, and now he's got no time for anybody else, just the Lord. Problem is, the die's been cast. The consequences are already set. Sin gives birth to death. It does every time. Never think that sin doesn't give birth to death. It kills everything it touches. We've got to get that in our heart and our mind. 
We've got to get that in our heart and our mind. Okay, I'm going to come down here. We're going to bring this in for a landing, but I got to do it down here. I feel so far away. I feel like if I come down here, maybe he'll listen better. He's inconsolable. He's untouchable. He's unreachable. He won't respond to anybody. He won't eat anything. He won't, he just, he's, he's toast. He knows what he's done and he is overwhelmed with consequences. And then the baby dies. Now everybody is freaked out. What? I don't want to tell him. What is he going to do once he finds it? If this is as bad as it is while there was still hope, what's he going to do when there is no hope? (sighs) Naomi comes back. She's bitter. She's angry. She said, I went out full and I come back empty. Has anybody ever been there? Went out with all these hopes and all these dreams, and you have come back absolutely defeated. But here's the thing. Ruth starts gleaning in the field of Boaz. And Boaz takes notice of her. And he tells his servants, hey, let some handfuls on purpose fall for Ruth. Right? Like, pull a little bit out of the stack and leave it there for like, hey, you know, it's Boaz's way of saying, how you doing? (laughs) How you doing? Hey, ho, hey. He's just leaving handfuls on purpose, right? She's picking them up. She's coming back with bucket loads, right? Naomi's like, where you at? Where you been at? Where you been shopping at? So, man, I've been down here at the at Boaz's Costco, man, there's like stuff everywhere. She goes, and so <clears throat> Naomi starts to scheme, right? Well, I lay down, you know, rub his feet, you know, so, you know, sweet, nothing's in his, oh. <laughs> Naomi, will you stop? Stop doing what your husband did. Stop trying to control it. God's at work. Can we sit back and let God do what he wants to do? Why do we feel like we got to help the Holy Ghost? You don't have, he does not need your help. Am I saying sit around and do nothing? And God, you know, no, I said, stop making decisions, get instructions. If the Lord says, hey, go lay down at his feet, then go do that. But the Lord didn't say that, right? Wait on instructions from the Lord. Do what he tells you to do and it'll be right. So even Boaz tells her, hey, girl, slow down. Whoa, whoa. We're going to do this a different way. Somebody else has got claim to you, another family member. I'll go and see if he will abdicate that. So he goes down there, gates of the city, the judges, hey, hey, what's up? You know, what's going on? She fine. You want her? Because, you know, hey. Right? Y'all get all that? Y'all got the interpretation? And the old guy goes, I'm tired. (laughs) I've got four already. I am tired. 
all I want is a nap, not another wife. Right? Please, God, I've mowed the yard three times this week. I don't want another wife. You can have her. Boaz marries her. Right? Boaz marries her. Now throw up that scripture, chapter 4 of Ruth, that I gave you at the back, starting with, I think it's 16-ish. It may not be. Whatever scripture I gave you, 13-ish. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today. Stop, stop, stop. So leave it right there. The women said to Naomi, blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today. Naomi was bitter because she didn't have a husband. God was trying to give her a redeemer. <laughs> Listen, if you got what you wanted, it wouldn't be as good as what he had planned. If you got what you asked for, it wouldn't be as good as what he had prepared for you. You got to understand something. Sometimes this difficulty that you're going through is going to be worth it on the other side. You got to remember that. You're not alone. Everybody's felt that way, including Jesus. Didn't he say on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We've all been like Ruth. I'm too old. I'm past my point. It's too late for me. There's all this stuff stacked against me. But I'm here to tell you, baby, that none of that, see, that's what you know. That's what you've seen. That's what you've experienced. That's when you look at yourself and evaluate yourself and judge yourself and you say that nothing can happen. But look, God's going to give a redeemer and may his name become famous. In Israel, I never saw this scripture before. These women are prophesying. Do you know who the baby is that she just had? Look, keep going. Next verse. May he also be to you a restorer of life. <laughs> These women are prophesying. God's given you a redeemer. What else? What was the second thing he gave you? A restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than the sons that you spent half a chapter talking about you couldn't have. He, she's better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. The one we've just been talking about. All these things. Next verse. This says, then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. I don't know why you're not shouting. She old. She's old. She's not supposed to listen. She didn't have no baby. I know you men don't know how this works, but ladies. She didn't have a baby. There is no pipe on the other end of that faucet. Right?
But Naomi became his nurse. You thought you were too old. But I'm here to tell you, when God gets done doing what God wants to do, you didn't have to go to the bathroom nine times a day. You didn't have to grow up out of your clothes. You didn't have to have swollen ankles. And you didn't have to go through 24 hours of child labor pain. You didn't have to have one contraction. Right? You didn't have to cuss your husband out not one time while you was birthing that baby. God just skipped all that for you. He didn't, roll, he didn't have to roll back your age. He didn't have to give you a son. He didn't have to give you a husband. He didn't have to do any of that. He can give you a daughter that's better than seven sons who gleans among a field and marries Boaz who has Obed, who has Jesse, who has David, who winds up having Jesus the Messiah come through his line. Baby, I'm here to tell you that what God's got planned for you is way better than what you've been asking for. Naomi in her old age has become a nurse to her grandson. What? See, you got to, we got to change how we do these things. We pray, we fast like David, we cry out to God. But when we don't get what we've been asking for, what do we do? We go deeper in depression, deeper into rejection, deeper into walking away from the Lord. We got to be like David in this regard. Not the other things, but in this regard. When it's over, baby, it's over. Get up off the ground, wash your face, and have another baby. Did you hear what I said? I know you're mourning. I know you're going through it. I know it's hard, but I'm telling you there comes a moment where the season has changed and God wants to do something new. You need to get up off the ground. Wash your face. Worship your God. Sit down and have a meal and have another baby. God's got more for you than you could possibly imagine. Come on back to the things that make sound. What are they called? <laughs> Y'all gonna miss me when I'm gone. The keyboard. Thank you. Let me read something to you. Psalm 139, verse 5. Look at me. I know you're hurting. I know you're going through it. Trust me when I tell you I've been there. I've been in that place. You know what hit me today when I, when I, um, was reading that scripture about Naomi. New Hope. Somehow, some way, I, I got a job here. And then uh, that first year, 
little rough, right, Mark? You don't have to say anything. <laughs> you don't have to say anything, but it was. I was a bull in the china closet, and I didn't know. I didn't know what I know now. Made a lot of mistakes. It was rough. Everybody wanted me fired, right? Uh, uh, everybody, except Pastor Tom, I guess. Maybe he wanted to, but he didn't pull the trigger. But somewhere along the way, I got my act together. I listened to what the Lord was saying. I listened to what my pastor was saying. I never forget walking into his office and sitting down. And I said, talk to me. He goes, about what? I said, talk to me. I'm listening. And he leaned forward and talked for two and a half hours. I never made a sound. I didn't cough. I didn't talk. It's the only time, only two and a half hours in my entire life, including while I'm sleeping, that I was completely silent. It was the most excruciating, embarrassing, horrible, terrible, wonderful, freeing, marvelous thing I ever experienced. And by the time we left here at New Hope, this place was like Camelot to us. And we went and uh, started that church in my hometown. And, and when I read Naomi saying, I went out full and I came back empty. That's how I felt when I walked back in this room last year. So I know you're hurting. I know you're going through some th stuff. I know you're mourning. I know it's terrible. And maybe there's few people that can fully understand what you're feeling. But I promise you, God knows. God knows. He understands how you feel. He knows. He's seen what they said about you. He was there when they violated you. He was there when you cried. He's there when you were hurting. He was there when you felt alone. He, he saw it. He knows how you did it to yourself or they did it to you, how it was unfair, how it was unjust, how difficult it is, how excruciating it is, how lonely it is. But here is the thing we got to know. In the middle of our pain, in the middle of our struggle, here's what the Lord says. Verse 5, Psalm 139, David says about the Lord, You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I cannot attain to it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be my night. Even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For you formed me. So for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. 
So I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. I came by to tell you he sees you and he hasn't forgotten you. Baby, your story is not over. It's not over. As hard as it is right now, joy really does come in the morning. There is a baby on the other side of your travail. On the other side of the groan. On the other side of the pain. On the other side of the excruciating hurt. There's a baby. There's a redeemer. There's a restorer of life. You're like, God, why do I hurt so bad? You're having contractions. You're having contractions. Get up off the ground. Wash your face. It's time to have another baby. Stand on your feet. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.